0: hey everybody i'm bobby salveson
1: and i'm michael monaco and together we are the hazmat guys connecting the hazmat community near and far with knowledge insight and real world examples in an effort to make your job just a little bit easier and safer
0: now let's take a minute to hear from today's sponsors Hey Mike, pop quiz, what is the standard go-to method
1: for emergency decon? Uh, That's pretty easy, wet decon, right?
0: Well, you know, you're not the only one that may be thinking that, but it's actually dry decon.
1: No, 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 no. How many times have I heard dilution is the solution to pollution? or actually
0: too many, and that's the issue. Makes sense if you think about it. Without the use of water, we don't need to spend extra time setting up traditional showers or pools, and there's no waste water afterwards. And you're not going to freeze anybody to death if it's below 60 degrees.
1: Check out firstlinetech.com slash drydecon. First Line Technology has a whole web page dedicated to the methodology and links to plenty of dry decon resources. See for yourself why dry decon with FiberTech should be your go-to immediate decon solution.
0: Let's get to the show.
1: Ah, we're back. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 398. We are continuing our path down the Surprise Arizona event and the after-action report that came out from Unders Writers Laboratory. But before then, Bob, where can they find us?
0: Oh, no way. We're going to be in Massachusetts. Uh, We said it, and it's going to be great, and it's going to be amazing. And also, I believe coming up very soon, the fourth Thursday of every month, is the Hazmat Specialist Happy Hour. If you're not a specialist, get to be a specialist, and then join us. You can find the link to get in there at thehazmatguys.com slash happy, and it's going to be there forever.
1: And this month is a little different because the fourth is not the last. Just keep that in no, mind. For, for all of you uh, people who join us on the roundtable. Yeah. All right. Well, jumping back into the uh, the story, if you don't We're talking about Surprise, Arizona, We're we're going through kind of the detailed summary of what the fire department did on scene, uh, because in all honesty, that's really all that we as hazmat technicians and firefighters care about. Um, We can go through some of the other details a little bit later, but we want to really focus on what what essentially we did on scene. And when I say we, I mean fire department. So uh, <laughs> the hazmat team defined the hot zone as the area enclosed by the fence and returned to the command vehicle. So at this point, they changed the hot zone location from the 300-foot radius to the area around the fence. The members of the hazmat team, uh, they went ahead, they removed their gear, the SCBA. They did like a, a full cool down, uh, yep. and uh, they, they, they did a, a hazmat huddle, as you would expect in a hazmat scene. They had uh, a couple captains, BCs, contractors, representative from the company, Companies that owned it uh, as well as the ones that maintained it sitting around to discuss the situation. Um, And they also had a person on the phone who identified themselves as an engineer from the company that actually designed the ESS system. So they had all the players in play. Like I can't imagine having anybody else there that could give information. Uh, The engineer from the company that designed the ESS stated that the ESS was a sealed system and there was no way to remotely vent it. Uh, The suppression system had, in fact, been discharged. The suppression system, again, was that clean agent Novak. It does not displace oxygen. It works off a totally different mechanism. If you don't know how, go back and listen to the last episode. Um, uh, The captain of engine 193 was most concerned about the elevation, the elevated levels of hydrogen cyanide in the white vapor gas. Now, they don't get into why they were concerned about it i'm going to take a guess and say it wasn't necessarily like a health and safety issue but that the fact that they had high levels of hydrogen cyanide meant that they had extreme incomplete combustion and if the levels were this level outside and the system was sealed what would the levels right. be like inside and right. i think so i think that's where that the main concern uh from this was
0: and again you know like again uh, i at the at the risk of sounding swarmy or, or something like that you know i'm i get it that you're worried about hiding the cyanide but like that's one of those gases where if you wear your mask it's not going to affect my knees right. like it's all down on the ground so like the fact that i'm standing is is good it's a positive thing so again you know whatever um the representatives from the companies that designed and maintain the ess provided an emergency response plan to the fire department personnel on the scene in an electronic form which is nice um they produced a document that stated the purpose quote to provide first responders with the awareness of a typical but not exhaustive risk and hazards related to esss during the potential failure scenarios close quote this document did not provide guidance to first responders related to interacting with the ess during the the during a cascading thermal runaway event or fire or information about the potential for an explosion hazard associated with thermal runaway. The personnel from the companies that owned, designed, and maintained the ESS were unable to provide any guidance beyond that included in the emergency response plan document.
1: Do you know why, Bob? Because just as we say in our batteries class, nobody knows what the fuck they're doing, and we're (laughs) building this plane as we fly it. And that That is is a legit statement, right? Um, There is no emergency response plan for first responders because we don't have a response plan for emergency responders it's basically like be safe
0: right i was talking to i'm not naming names but i was talking to somebody that was on a committee that was uh going to have something to do with this and and people are going what do we do about this and he goes i don't know tell me what we're going to do about this it's like a catch-22 because they write the standard on what's being done but nobody knows what's being done because there's no standards. And it's like, we're gonna be caught in this loop until somebody just grows up and says, this is the plan, and we go, that's a good plan. That's now the standard. You know, you ever watch Star
1: Wars? Yes. Okay. Do you do you, the 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 very first, like episode 1 where they're going back to the Senate and they're like, "Hey, our planet's under attack and everybody's like, well, let's do more studies to find out what's going on." I <laughs> feel like that's what's happening, right? Is that nobody wants to act or do or make a push forward without 13, 14, 15 white papers backing their ideas and their their thoughts. Yeah. So I think we're in for for a long haul. This was this was 2019. This was pre COVID. And we still don't have much more information or game plans further than we have. I mean, listen, uh, NFPA came out with uh, with some some recommendations for operating around the ESS systems. uh, But there's not much more out there than that. So. Uh, after this, the HAZMAT teams made two more entries into the hot zone. Uh, they noted that during these entries, the volume of the gas mixture leaking from the ESS, it started to decrease over time. Uh, and the concentrations of hydrogen cyanide and CO, they were still, even with this decrease, they were measuring levels above alarm concentration uh, in the visible gas cloud. Now, just as a, a quick refresher, OSHA defines the permissible permissible exposure level, the PEL of hydrogen cyanide at about 10 parts per million and for CO at 50. NIOSH is the same for their HCN but differs from CO at 1,200 parts per million. The standard operating procedures for the hazmat team was to define the perimeter of the hot zone as the location where the hazardous gas concentration was measured as a predetermined percentage of IDLH. So for them, 5 parts per million for the hydrogen cyanide and 60 parts per million for the CO. That's why they ended up going with the gate. Mm. I guess those were the numbers at the gate. I like that. I, I like that. That's a yeah, good move. Yeah, I've got no issue with that whatsoever. Uh, the Hazmat team also monitored for the hotspots on that northwest side of the ESS, and they noted that the temperatures decreased and the hotspot grew geometrically smaller as the incident progressed, giving you an indication that whatever was hot is cooling off so so far everything is leading down a path where there is no fire thermal runaway event is over right we have a trending decrease in temperature so you know i i i see nothing wrong with the action so far so a
0: conference is held with the hazmat team all the people that were there everybody the hazmat team would enter the hot zone conduct a 360 Measure the gas levels in the hot zone. And if they measure levels that were deemed safe, the HAZMAT team would open a door to the ESS to assess whether the active fire was present. To protect the members of the HAZMAT team, a hose line made by uh, a company would be positioned by the entry door. If the structure flashed when the door was open, they would not directly attack the fire in the ESS, but would let the flow of water protect the HAZMAT team as they retreated out. This is a great plan. This is a great plan. Protect the people and allow the ESS to burn. That was the plan. That is a great plan. Uh, and I think and I think that the fact that they had that even saying, hey, listen, this is what we're doing. Bonus. I love it. And this well, is what
1: I recommend. Let it go. Yeah, 110% let it burn. But it's interesting, right? This is the con- – so just to reiterate, the conference was held with everybody. Yes. They said – Right. If it if it starts to burn, we're going to protect the hazmat team. That means that the company, the manufacturer, the installer and the maintenance crew, none of them thought that there was going to be an explosion. Right. An explosion wasn't even on the table. They also said that if there is no fire,
0: let the door stay open and allow hazardous material, hazardous gases and vapors vent out of the ESS while periodically checking on the gas concentration All personnel agreed on the plan and two possible courses of action. I do not disagree with a single word in that highlighted section that you're seeing on the screen. That is excellent. Good moves.
1: Yeah. With a hundred percent, a hundred without a shadow of a doubt. Now, one of the things that we had been told uh, during somebody else's evaluation of this uh, was and something that I had talked about in our battery class was why are they opening the door to begin with? Like, why are they going in? Why are they making entry? Like it's, sometimes the fight upon just got to do fight upon things they do without a shadow of a doubt. Right. But the, 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 the phrase, and I've repeated this phrase, you know, it was a barbed wire fenced in area that was a lock under lock and key padlock. There's no life. And what property are you really saving? But, uh, the fact of the matter is, is that once the fire department goes on scene, they kind of not technically would technically own the building and they have to be able to give it back to the manufacturer or the responsible party. And in and in order to do that, it has to be rendered safe first. So yes. for those out there who were misled myself included uh, to the idea that they could have just not opened the door that wasn't a possibility because they have to be able to give a safe condition back to the the, the civilian so yeah. that's one point that i wanted to make because that was that was a totally different perspective than i was taught in my assessment of this class uh, which is why it's so important to go back and read documents for yourself uh, make up your own mind don't let other people tell you don't even let us to tell you what to think Go and read the document. Uh, the hazmat team made a final entry into the hot zone. They reported back to the to the BC that the uh, HCN and the CO concentrations measured outside the ESS were in fact at safe levels. Again, indicating to them when you put all this evidence together, it's an indication that the 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 the, the, the emergency is on the decline.
0: Hey, listeners. The Hazmat Guys have some great news for you and your organization. We are really stepping up our brand of in-person training in addition to the great content you get on demand. Now, we know what you're thinking, but this is already incredibly great stuff, and how could it possibly get better? All I can say is, wait until we're in front of you. When we gather the best of the best from across this planet and even beyond, and assemble an instructional cadre that is seriously second to none. And now we have a ton of ways to help you, your team, or your organization get to a level that makes everybody proud. From subscriptions, on-demand, hybrid methods, to full in-person goodness. You can contact me, Bob, at hazmatguys.com, to schedule a call and find a solution that works for you. And every participant of an in-person class gets a free one-year premium subscription, which sounds pretty good. Hmm. So contact me at BobTheHazmackGuys.com and get some more information.
1: The captain determined that opening the southwest-facing door rather than the southeast-facing door would minimize the potential of the exposure of the fire department personnel and civilians gathered outside the hot zone to the north of the energy storage system. The captain removed the key from the south-facing door in an attempt to open the southwest-facing door, but found the key did not unlock the southwest-facing door. The hazmat team returned to the southeast-facing door of the energy storage system and prepared to open the door. Right.
0: Which – Okay, I get it. And I and I understand that oh we got we got things that can open Shit up any happens. door. But you know what the thing is, like do you really wanna go and start forcing doors on something that has a potentially flammable
1: gas on the other side? I don't know if I would. No. I, no, you know, not when you have a cowboy not when you have another source of entry. Like just really if you that's just, your concern, hey guys, move out of the way. We're gonna open this door.
0: Right. So engine uh, captain directed a forcible entry firefighter to open a door. The captain measured the temperature inside with a tick. And the white white gas vapor immediately poured out of the open door while the hazmat team continued to monitor conditions and monitor the ESS. So now I I have, they are, there are images that we're showing that were extracted from a video recorded on the scene as the door was opened. And then displayed here, um, You can see that the captain in the red helmet and the forcible entry firefighter in the yellow helmet, just prior to opening the door, the hose line is there in the hot zone preparation for opening the door. And you're going to see about five seconds after the door is open. uh, This picture was taken five seconds after the door was open. Dense gases and vapors can be seen in the image below. So you can see them opening the door. And this is we just go through this kind of quickly, Mike. Yep. Um, Because it's calling about figures, so we'll we'll show you the the the. Um, let's just go to to the next one. You can see them opening. They just talked about this one. You see the vapor coming out. That's quite a bit. You cannot see the guy's feet.
1: Where are you are? You're at twenty two seconds.
0: I, I'm just at four. Uh, the image four twelve. I'm just showing oh, them. You're above. We yes. just talked about that, and you can see they open the door, and you have a, a vapor, a clear vapor cloud coming out. And so let's go back and talk about figure four thirteen.
1: Figure four thirteen is the twenty-two seconds after they open the door. Now, guys are stepping back, and actually, in this image, you can see them uh, holding a thermal imaging camera. So they're, you know, they're doing everything they're supposed to, right? They they open the door. They're letting the toxic stuff come out. They're checking everything uh, with a tick uh, to make sure everything was good. And he actually was able to scan and look at the whole thing and didn't see anything of any kind of uh, major. Major exceptions, I guess, would be the the the, the right word. Yeah. Uh, when they were scanning it, they did notice a rounded top object with the tick. Uh, for some reason, during the the process, they kind of maybe thought that that was indication of a of a, a prior deflagration event. Um, but if you, as we go down this, we're going to find out that that tank was actually just the storage tank for the the clean agent. So there wasn't actually any prior deflagration event in there. Um, but the fact that they could. See See it, and the fact that the hazmat team could see it without the thermal imaging camera uh, kind of gives you an idea of you know how much clarity there was above that three foot mark. You could actually see through this energy storage system in the areas where the the cloud was was not there, kind of giving you indication that that the air at the top was clear and the vapors at the bottom uh, they were. They were they were not clear. And uh, we can see this uh, in figure four point one five, a photograph, a, a photograph facing into the energy storage system, taken from the entry door after the decommission is present in this figure. This image shows the red suppression agent storage tank, which is the object that the hazmat team was able to see just before the declaration event. Right. I think I think this is important. Because it, like, would you think anything was going to happen in a Connex box that you could see clear across to the other side?
0: No, 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 no. I wouldn't, and that's the that's the uh, the danger of being a hazmat is that you don't always see what you can't. What you, the the devil's not always in front of you. And he's not always shaking his wand and fire. It's pretty simple. Cause it's hot and smoky. It's a, you can basically predict everything that's going to happen for the most part. Right.
1: Right. Like, I, to... I
0: can tell you it's going to double in size. I can tell you, I can't tell you about the structure, that kind of stuff, but I can tell you things are going to get worse before they're going to get better. Has not, you don't see all that stuff. And
1: not yeah. at all. Go. Uh, can you bring up figure 4.16 on page 27? And yeah, I'm going to read I'm going to read the paragraph that kind of is associated with it up higher at the top.
0: Mm-hmm. All
1: right. Um, at the uh, uh, the approximate locations of the members of the hazmat team are displayed in figure four point one six in the positions just prior to the deflagration event and are displayed in blue. The approximate positions after the deflagration event are displayed in red. The engine one nine three captain was at the door. Engine 193 fire uh, uh, forcible entry, or I think that's actually fire engineer, was back into the left at a 45-degree angle to the door. HM193 Firefighter 1 was to the right of the door with the multi-gas meter, and the Hazmat 193 Firefighter 2 manned the hose line at a 45-degree angle back to the right of the door. So you can actually see where these people were standing in the beginning, and you can see them in the end. You can see, holy crap, that one guy, 73 feet. From the door, he was blown through a chain link fence 73 uh, feet past. At the moment of the deflagration event, the firefighters outside the hot zone described hearing a loud noise and seeing a jet of flame extend at least 75 feet outward to an estimated 20 foot vertical from the southeast facing door. In this event, The engine captain uh, and the engine firefighter were ballistically propelled against and under a chain link fence that surrounded the ESS. So that's their their hot zone. The 193 captain came to rest approximately 73 feet from the the opening door beneath the bush that had ignited during the event. So 73 feet away is where he landed, and he also lit the bush on fire on the way out. Holy cow. The engine 193 firefighter came to rest approximately 30 feet from the opening of the door. And the hazmat 193 firefighter was projected towards the transformer and a distribution box to the east of the ESS and remained within the fenced scenario. So he basically got blown into stuff. And he, you know, he, you can't go through a, a, a distribution box, he just kind of hit it and laid there. Mm-hmm. Uh, the entire hazmat team lost consciousness in the deflagration event. The event also dislodged or removed the SCBA face pieces and the helmet from all of the hazmat team members that's insane it 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 is like this is there is nothing in here that would have indicated to me whatsoever oh my god this is gonna explode
0: just flipping through this and now we got some pictures of equipment removed
1: by the front fence you can see like just shrapnel on the fence right there's a hood that's a hood yeah, laying a there hood. At, the, at the fence. Like, it ripped the guy's hood off as he went through the chain link fence. Uh, 4.18 kind of shows the, the bow in the door. Yeah, and you can see, see, see that that distribution box half blown through. And I like 184 because it kind of gives you an idea of what the hot zone was, right? They don't really describe the distances. But you can see that that the chain link fence is maybe, what, would you say 20 feet, 25 yeah. feet from the door? Yeah. so that's pretty pretty significant and in 4.19 this is where the bush where the 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 captain was found holy cow like the scba tank was removed during deflagration (laughs) are you kidding me this guy is insanely lucky to 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 even even be alive um so the events that happened afterwards the that they went in they performed a rescue the fires were put out by the surrounding uh departments uh everybody the four firefighters ended up with severe injuries but thank God there was no fatalities uh in, involved here um just a lot of a, a, a lot of really hurt guys
0: yeah I don't I don't think we have to get into like the 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 um the medical uh no you know stuff with these guys but I, I'm gonna I, I would say, one thing I'm thinking of is like, you know, um, and then I'm very happy they did. And it's something that I kind of regret now in my or post career is that they took photos during and before the problem. You know, so you can see you can measurably see it's not just, oh, Johnny said this was happening. They can point at this is what was happening there's a, a picture tells a million words and and the fact that they were taking photos taking videos and that stuff i think is i i think it's a good thing
1: uh, I, I am i love it you know there's a lot of departments uh including the ones that we came from that really frowned upon you know taking videos but it, it is what it is
0: uh, yeah i uh i think these guys did the right thing and um you know i'm sure if i asked them and
1: me I, would i do something different i don't think i would i wouldn't i wouldn't have done a damn thing different i literally I wouldn't have done, done it a like damn, this especially like think about it you open the door and you can see through to the other side you're not thinking explosion yeah you're, uh, you're thinking, not up. No. Right. You, and you have an SCBA on so I don't really care about the 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 vapors I'm going to walk through it and I'm going to start to do an assessment. Uh man imagine if they had been in the box when that event happened they 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 would have been gone. But uh we have got some uh considerations to go through contributing factors some lessons learned but I think we're going to do that in uh, in the premiere. Oh all right well then we'll see you guys in a couple of seconds. Enjoy
0: if you're not premium but If you are, come on over to the other side and drink the champagne of knowledge. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that wraps up another episode of The Hazmat Guys. You can find us at Facebook, Twitter, and our YouTube channel. And don't be afraid to use that like or follow button.
1: Or you can sign up for even more content from us at thehazmatguys.com. Here you can subscribe so that we can connect you to even more great stuff. Your support is going to help us improve and build this awesome community even more.
0: Yeah. And if you want to get to the next level, you won't want to miss our premium content. Our specialist level provides you with access to our entire catalog of shows, which is now over 300, an exclusive Facebook group, premium video with no ads, and so much more. Also, check the Hazmat Guys University link on our
1: website. And don't forget... We are always interested in hearing about incidences or calls that you have experienced. We may bring you on the show to share that story. Reach us at feedback at the hazmatguys.com. And
0: remember, folks, don't just get on the job. Get into the job.